You're listening to a podcast from DTB. Welcome to the DTB podcast on sunscreens and their role in preventing skin cancer. My name's Ike Hyanacha and I'm editor of Drug and Therapeutics Bulletin, DTB. And I'm joined today by Professor Brian Diffie, who's Emeritus Professor of Photobiology at Newcastle University, and David Fazakali, uh, Deputy Editor of DTB. Hello. Hi. We going to talk about uh, sunscreens and, as I said earlier, the, their potential role in preventing skin cancer. Uh, Professor Diffie's been very uh, helpful in preparing our article and, and editorial on those topics. But I want this podcast really to explore some of the issues, uh, some of the broader issues surrounding sunscreens and their potential place. Um, Brian, first of all, perhaps I could start by um, asking you if it isn't... Uh, too much to summarise your life's work, uh, to say a little bit about uh, UV radiation and its role in, in causing skin damage. What are the key aspects of that from the point of view of things like UVA and UVB, terms that people hear all the time but may not uh, understand how those relate to, to, to skin damage, sunburn and skin cancer? Okay, well, um, the UV rays from the sun um, constitute about 5% of the sun's energy that we receive here on the Earth's surface. And of those 5%, 95% or so are classified as UVA rays, and the remaining 5% approximately is UVB rays. What we do know is, and have known for 100 years or more, um, is that the UVB rays are largely responsible for the deleterious effects that we associate with sun exposure. Uh, the common acute effect of sunburn or erythema and the most important chronic effect of skin cancer. Does UVA cause a different problem from the UVB exposure? No, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really just uh, less in magnitude. I mean, what I think we ought to remember is that the terms UVA and UVB were first coined in 1932, um, and they're related to the transmission of uh, different wavelengths of UV radiation through optical glasses. So they have their basis in photochemistry and have got absolutely nothing to do with biology. Um, and in a sense, I think from a biological and a clinical point of view, um, it would be so nice if those terms had never been invented because when we're out of doors, our skin can't differentiate between UVB and UVA. They're simply man-made arbitrary divisions um, in the solar spectrum which bear little relationship to biological effect. Oh, that's interesting. Let's talk then specifically about the role of, of sunscreens in regard to some of those uh, harmful effects that you mentioned. First of all, again, a broad brush question, but how important would you say uh, sunscreens and their, their proper application is in, in preventing some of those harmful effects? Well, first of all, let's, let's think about our, um, the acute effects, that is being out in the sun and not wanting to end the day with, with a red, painful skin. Um, there are various strategies we can adopt. We can um, seek shade, we can pop on a hat with a wide brim, we can keep our skin covered with clothing, all of which are very effective. But there are bits of the skin which is clearly impractical to, to protect in any other way. And so sunscreens have a real role to play. And I guess most of us have benefited from the use of sunscreens. We've been out in the sun for uh, periods which, had we not protected our skin with sunscreen, we know we would have gone red. And sunscreens clearly work. Where there are problems is when sunscreens are applied um, in a thickness which is not commensurate with the time we're spending in the sun or applied haphazardly or non-uniformly so that bits of the skin simply aren't protected at all. So in your view, they're an essential component of sun protection, but not a complete one? Oh, absolutely. They're not complete, no. I mean, 
I think that they should be regarded as perhaps a secondary approach to sun protection, putting the physical measures like shade and, and clothing um, perhaps uh, to, to the fore. Okay. So that's, that's the acute effects. You're mm. going, going to go on perhaps to talk about the chronic effects. Okay. Well, the chronic effects, of course, it's more difficult to, to know. If we take our, our three common skin cancers, uh, basal cells, squamous cell carcinoma and uh, malignant melanoma, um, the only really good data we have are uh, the role of sunscreens in preventing squamous cell carcinoma. Um, we, we have animal data which support those, but more importantly, we have um, human data from uh, a very important study done in, in Queensland. It was shown there that um, the use of sunscreens can reduce the uh, number of new tumours, the number of people presenting with uh, squamous cell tumours. Uh, with basal cell um, carcinoma, uh, the results weren't um, quite as uh, convincing. And uh, with malignant melanoma, we really have no good data which shows that sunscreens are prevented in, in melanoma. Is that because it hasn't been looked at in the right way, or, or are you saying that the evidence just doesn't say that they work? Well, I think what it is is that, um, as, as you know, melanoma, uh, the incidence is about a tenth of non-melanoma skin cancer. So you're simply dealing with smaller numbers of people. There have been a number of case control studies that have been done over the last 20 years or so. And by and large, these turn out with a pooled odds ratio of about one. Uh, what is promising is that just very recently, in the last few months, a paper was published again from the group in Queensland led by Professor Adele Green. And now there is a hint that uh, sunscreens, the, the, the group where sunscreens were, um, were advised, um, are presenting with a lower number of melanomas. No clear evidence to show for sure that they prevent the most serious form of skin cancer. Some good evidence to suggest that they help prevent one of the, the less dangerous types. Yes, a yes. Fair, fair summary? That, that, that's right, that's right, yes, yes. Let's say we've, we've been convinced by that argument, as many people have, and we've decided, okay, we're going to use sunscreen, we're going to use it in the way that you've suggested. We, we pick up a, a, a bottle, a container, and the first thing we're confronted with is the SPF factor now, or the yeah. SPF. Now, the, perhaps you could explain what that actually is, because it causes a lot of confusion, I think, for, for, even for, for healthcare professionals as to what that number actually means. Right, well, the SPF stands for the sun protection factor. Um, and the way it's arrived at is that when you're measuring the ability of a sunscreen to uh, prevent sunburn, um, you take a group of volunteers and you um, irradiate them with increasing doses of UV radiation. You look at their skin 24 hours later and you note in an individual that dose of radiation which causes a just perceptible reddening of the skin. You then apply a sunscreen and it's uh, the application thickness, which is used internationally, is uh, two milligrams per square centimetre because clearly the protection you get from a sunscreen depends on two things. It depends upon how thickly you apply it and it also depends upon the concentration of the active filters. Then uh, repeater radiations will be given at something like, I don't know, 6, 8, 10, 12 and 14 times the dose that caused a just perceptible erythema on the unprotected skin. Then you look at the skin again 24 hours later, and if the, you see this time that you get some just perceptible reddening at 12 times the previous dose, then for that individual, the sunscreen's providing a sun protection factor of 12. I mean, that's all very technical. What does that mean for somebody who's just wants a, a kind of take-home uh, message about what that application of, of treatment is, is doing in terms of 
of protection. Is there an easy way of, of converting well, that? Historically, I think that uh, when you ask people what does the SPF mean, they say, well, if the SPF is, say, 15, it means you can spend 15 times as long in the sun without burning. I think the problem with that definition is that what it does um, implicitly is to encourage people to overextend their time in the sun. The definition I prefer is that if you have a product of SPF 15, then for a given time in the sun, uh, assuming it's delivering 15-fold protection, uh, your skin will end up with a 15th of the dose that it would have done if you hadn't used sunscreens. Okay. But now, the, the, the two are the same. You're, you're just saying that the, the, the former definition could encourage people to, to stay out longer than they, than they really should. That's right. I mean, arithmetically, they're the same. It's just the former definition um, emphasizes staying out in the sun for 15 times as long. The definition that I prefer um, emphasizes you're getting a, um, a protection equivalent to 15-fold. Okay. Sorry, were you going to go on to say something? Well, I was. Now, what I was going to say is, and this is really the very important point, that um, if you use a product, let's suppose, labeled when they tested it, that is at 2 milligrams per square centimeter, now, there have been a number of studies um, done in the field which show that people simply don't like applying sunscreen at 2 milligrams per square centimetre. It's far too thick. They find it runs off their skin. And so a typical application thickness is around about 1 milligram per square centimetre. That's how people will typically apply it in practice. Now, because they're applying a thinner layer than the manufacturers have done, they're clearly not going to... Uh, be rewarded with 15-fold protection. They might be rewarded with something approximately a third of what it says on the bottle. So I think uh, as a rule of thumb, if you're using a sunscreen, you should divide the number on the front, the SPF number, by three, and that will probably be closer to the protection that you're actually getting. So that if you're using an SP a product labeled SPF 15 and you're using it in the way that most of us use a sunscreen, you're probably getting something closer to about five-fold protection. And again, I suppose some of this comes back to, to the user not understanding how, you know, if I were to pick up a bottle and, and start applying it, how would I know that I've applied it at the level uh, required for the for the testing, as opposed to how I would normally do it, which is, well, that looks about right, uh, yeah. and I'm comfortable, comfortable with that. Is, is there a guide for what, should people just do what they're comfortable with and accept the lower, the lower protection? Or is there a advice to give people about how much they should actually should put on? Well, I mean, th th there have been um, uh, publications, uh, one based upon the uh, two-finger rule that I wrote a few years ago now in the BMJ, um, another one called the teaspoon rule, um, where you, you apply so many teaspoons for different parts of the body. The problem with this is that, in reality, of course, people don't apply a sunscreen as if they're in a laboratory. Um, you, you'll, you'll read very commonly that, you know, it's said that people don't apply enough sunscreen. I think the reverse is true. People apply, are applying the correct amount of sunscreen because that's the amount they feel comfortable with. I think the problem, the mismatch is between what the uh, numerical indicator of the protection is and what the protection people are getting actually in practice. So even if you had ways of encouraging people to apply more sunscreen, either using, say, equivalent of a teaspoon or whatever it might be, it will still feel uncomfortable on your skin, and you'll very quickly not want to, to follow those rules. So the, the way that you apply sunscreen and the, that makes you feel comfortable for you is the correct way of applying it. But isn't the obvious answer here that, that rather than what, what you said is a very practical solution in terms of dividing the sunscreen, the, the SPF by three and so on to get a, a rough guide. 
But isn't yeah. the, isn't the 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 obvious answer that the manufacturers should should uh, test it under the conditions in which people are likely to use it in real life? Well, um, y- yes, you, you you might think so. That the the reason why two milligrams per centimeter is chosen is that. When a sunscreen is actually tested in volunteers, you apply the sunscreen to a small area of skin and you rub it in carefully or you spread it with a gloved finger. Now, um, I can tell you that, because I've done it uh, myself a lot of times, trying to achieve a uniform layer um, at, say, one milligram per square centimetre is quite difficult. And if you test a sunscreen at one milligram per square centimetre, the variance you get in the SPFs between a group of volunteers is much bigger than you will do if you applied it too. So there are good practical reasons why the sunscreen is tested at two milligrams per square centimetre in order to get a much smaller variance in, in the results um, in determining the SPF. What I would suggest is that, um, that numbers basically should be phased out because at the end of the day, they're simply a ranking system. People know that if they buy an SPF 30, that gives them more protection than something labelled SPF 10, even if they don't really understand what the, the basis of the SPF means. And what I would like to see is move to a system where sunscreens are simply labelled low, medium, high and ultra high. Let's move on then, but, but still focusing a little bit on the, on the S, SPF. Um, one of the important pieces of advice which has come out recently is from the National Institute for Clinical for health and clinical excellence, nice. Who've, yeah. Uh, who've who've essentially said that uh, uh, a sunscreen with an SPF of 15 should be enough in terms of sun protection. Do you agree with that? No, I wouldn't agree with it. What what I would agree with is that any photoprotective device, whether it's a sunscreen or a shirt, um, providing 15-fold protection will be enough. I think where perhaps nice have maybe not thought it through. Um, is that, yes, 15-fold protection is fine, only if the sunscreen is delivering 15-fold protection. But um, as I've already said, um, because people will generally do not apply sunscreen to anything like the thickness they're tested at, something labelled SPF 15 is delivering closer to 5-fold protection. Hmm, Interesting. Um, One thing I'm interested in, because we've we've talked about sunscreens as as a generic uh, class of products, but uh, as, as you know far better than I do, there's a whole range of different formulations of sunscreens, from spray-ons to to white to um, things you, you you place directly on the skin and so on. Um, yeah. are, are there big qualitative differences between those types of formulations? Is one generally better than the other, or or can you assume that things with the same uh, rating in terms of uh, an SPF, that any product which carries uh, the rating of another product w- will work just as well? Uh, no, no, you can't, because there are, so far what we've talked about have been the technical performance of the sunscreen. Something which is equally, if not more important, is issues to do with compliance. That is, how the product is used, whether it's pleasing to use, whether people feel they want to reuse a product. Because a product can have, you know, an an SPF of 500, but if it's not pleasant to use, people will either compensate by putting very little of it on or they won't want to use it again. Um, I mean, spray-ons will be pleasant to use. But again, depending on how you spray it on, whether you then smooth it over your skin afterwards, can have an impact on the protection that you're getting. Uh, Generally speaking, um, lotions, I think, probably give you the best protection because people can see what's happening there. They can spread it over their skin. It's it's very difficult to to generalize, but how you use a product is is just as important as the technical performance of the product. 
So let's focus on spray-ons. I mean, what is the correct way to use a spray-on, for example? Well, I, I think the correct way would be to spray it liberally and then to smooth it over with, with your hand. You know, it's very difficult, I think, to, to be too prescriptive about this. Whatever product you use, whether it's a cream, a lotion, a spray, you do want to ensure that you're confident that when you finish using it, you've got a good uniform layer and you've covered um, your, your skin uniformly as best as you can and not let bits, left bits unprotected. Okay. I suppose what I'd like to ask you is that, let's say somebody is listening to this probably been a bit surprised by some of the detail about what sunscreens do and don't do and how they work. What would be your practical advice about choosing and using a sunscreen? How should people go about it? First of all, decide why you want to use a sunscreen. If, if it's because you intend spending a fair amount of recreational time um, out of doors, that is a f- uh, several hours a day, then um, choose a sunscreen which is labelled SPF 30, and turn it over and choose a sunscreen um, which has a four or five star rating. Doing this, you'll get um, um, more than enough um, amplitude of protection so that you won't get sunburned that day, and you'll get good breadth protection to give you good balance protection against UVA and UVB. Um, and then when you come to use the sunscreen, um, apply it uh, 20 minutes or so before you intend going in the sun, um, and then apply it again when you've gone out of doors, and then you can sort of forget about it for the rest of the day, unless you're going to get, you know, wet and you're going to do vigorous toweling. Because if you give, remember, what I've said is that generally people don't apply sunscreen anything like manufacturers do when they test it. Now, one way to get over this is actually, instead of trying to keep yourself one thick coat of sunscreen, which you won't like, another way to do it is two thin coats. And so if you apply it, 20 minutes or so before you go outdoors, and then once you're out of doors, apply it straight away again. You're giving two thin coats, and you can think of it like, like painting a wall. Um, if you paint a wall, uh, an, an uneven, a stippled wall, with one coat of emulsion, you can see the, uh, the old paint coming through. And that's why people will often give two coats to cover it up. So giving two coats of sunscreen, um, first of all, um, compensates, if you like, for what might be perceived as um, under-application, but more importantly, gives you a, good, a better approach to, to uniform coverage. Once you've done that, I think you're fine. Um, the, the, the idea that you need to keep reapplying it every two hours is maybe good for sunscreen sales, and you, if you like, you can't do any harm by that. But unless you've done something in those two hours that really is going to remove the sunscreen from your skin, um, sunscreens bind very well to the skin these days. Sunscreens which are labelled water-resistant or waterproof, which a lot of them are, will bind to the stratum corneum um, for many hours and give good effective protection. Brian, thanks very much for that. That's been really helpful in, in delineating the key issues. To read the original DTB article on this topic and the accompanying editorial, please go to dtb.bmj.com. Also there, you can find a copy of our plain language summary on the same issues. Now, this can be downloaded for free uh, and is written for the benefit of a general audience. For more information about this programme and other BMJ Group podcasts, go to podcasts.bmj.com.